Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're a little bit removed from the MLB trade deadline now, so we got to see some players donning their new threads. Some for better, some for worse. We've also seen some teams welcome back some players that you could argue might be the biggest uh, trade deadline acquisitions, really, even though they were already in-house. We'll get to that here as we progress through this week's episode of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. And this week... The whole gang is here. We'll start with Matt Sells at the Sellsman on Twitter. So, Matt, how is everything going for you? Uh, I'm good. I had some family in town this uh, past weekend, so that was nice. I haven't seen them in about five years, so that's that's always nice to see some family. Um, and you know, everything is status quo in DC. Just getting excited for the uh, for the prospects showing their wares with their new team. But nothing to get excited about in D.C. for like another two years. So we'll see how it goes. And then also with us this week, just like last week, got James Grande at the underscore real underscore Grande. Still has the underscore, still hasn't claimed that basically <laughs> inactive Twitter profile. That's just a weekly check-in at this point. But uh, James, minus the, the whole Twitter username that you can't seem to get a hold of from that <laughs> fan account. How's everything going for you? Uh, other than that, because that has really crippled my life over the last, you know, uh, years, honestly. Uh, everything's going well, man. Uh, another another great week to be great. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to another uh, fun week of the fantasy baseball season. Absolutely. And we got a lot to talk about here in this week's episode, but just a couple of housekeeping things. First, uh, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you go ahead, like, follow, subscribe, all of the platforms, whichever one you want to do, especially YouTube. Make sure you're over there and check out everything. Um, actually, just like, follow, subscribe on all of them. Mine, mine as well. More notifications cannot hurt. <laughs> and after doing that, make sure you check out the free NFL draft guide that we have. It is free. Once again, it is free on the site. $0. You can get it for free. If I haven't said that enough, make sure you are checking. How much that is it, Colby? I think oh, it's free. Punch? It's oh, okay. $0.00. So it's free dollars. Free. Oh. It's free o'clock for the NFL draft guide. Go check it out. $0.00. $0. Free, 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 free. So. Now that we put that there, let's talk a little bit, get back to the fantasy baseball realm. Matt, I'm going to kick it over to you here first. We saw Jacob deGrom return to the mound. Spoiler alert, he looked good, as if we would really expect anything else. Because as long as he's healthy and out there, he's very good. He looked dominant. So Jacob deGrom's return is a big boost for the Mets. So let me pose this question to you. If healthy, are the Mets the scariest team in the National League and maybe perhaps even Major League Baseball as a whole? Uh, this might not shock you. 
but I'm going to say no. And no, it's not my Yankees or Nats fandom that's, you know, leading me down this biased path. Oh, it's the Pirates. Um, They're, you know, (laughs) yes, their, their rotation is very, very good. They have DeGrom when he's healthy is, is basically inarguably the best pitcher in baseball. Scherzer has been phenomenal when healthy (laughs) this year. Uh, Bassett has been very good as a number three, though. He kind of tends to feed off of having Scherzer in front of him because when Scherzer was out, he, he slipped a little bit. And then, you know, they have two very good um, pitchers to round out the rotation as well. So that's impressive. But I will say that even with Bueller being out for now more than a month and with Kershaw being on the IL for at least the second time this year, the Dodgers are still five and a half games better than the Mets, and they have more than twice a better run differential than the Mets. The Mets are at 111 run differential, which is impressive, sure. The Dodgers are at 226. And they've not had their two main horses in their rotation together very much at all this year. Um, So I would say that I think their offense is prone to, the Mets offense, that is, is prone to struggling a little bit. Um, And, by the way, the first game back for DeGrom, who faced basically a triple-A Nats team without Soto and without Bell, uh, he lost. He got beat up a little bit. So, you know, I don't know if the Nats got the little mojo to kind of prove that, oh, we can do it without Soto and Bell, which is, obviously full of crap, but, um, so no, I would say the Dodgers are the more, um, scary team in my opinion. James. I mean, just to counter your points, Matt, um, because I, I don't know, they may or may not be, I think the NL is absolutely insanely loaded at the top, right? There are, uh, four teams off the top of your head that could win the NL. I would say um, two in the NL, two in the NL West, two in the NL East. But I think when you talk about scariest, I mean, you just mentioned that the Dodgers have been without their horses. Well, you know, the horse of the entire league was out and has made two starts this year. Um, and that is Jacob DeGrom. So the Mets not only haven't had, uh, you know, like Bueller pitch for mo- like made multiple starts. DeGrom has made two. And yes, he lost one. It was his, you know, first start of the year. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine. Um, and when you're talking about scariest, yes, there is, I think, a discrepancy in potential lineup depth. Um, but the Mets did address that at the deadline. I think the pieces that they acquired have been quite good. Vogelbach has looked good. Tyler Naquin has looked really good as outfield depth for the Mets. Um, and that's going into an already good lineup. But we're talking about scary, right? Nobody right now is scarier in the ninth inning than Edwin Diaz and his music. Nobody. There's nobody better in baseball in the ninth inning as of today. There's also not a better one-two punch going into a postseason series that you'll have to face four times than Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer. None of those other three teams in the NL can say that. Even Walker Bueller healthy was not great this year, and you've been admitted to saying as much, right, Matt? So I think when we're talking about as scary, if you can go DeGrom, a bridge, and get to Edwin Diaz, followed by Scherzer, Bridge, Diaz, 
it doesn't get scarier in a po- than that in a postseason series, along with the fact that you have a potent offense. I'm going to say as of right now, yes. I agree the run differential is obviously in favor of the, of the Dodgers. But, I mean, there has to there's factors involving that. Well, I mean, true. However, what's been the knock about the Mets and DeGrom for like four years? I mean, they can't score. They, they can't don't score for, score him. for him. And they didn't against the AAA Nationals lineup. Like, there's no threat in that Nationals lineup when DeGrom played him because Voight wasn't even there, right? You're talking about the best bat in that lineup was probably K. Bear Ruiz. And they still didn't score. I mean, they gave him five. They gave like, him five runs yesterday. They gave him a four-run inning. It's a miracle. Okay, congratulations. But if you're in the postseason against offenses that are very good and potent, and then and Degrom has one bad inning, or Scherzer, who by the way can get hit in the first two innings, and then he usually settles down, right? It's even with those horses. I still think the the Brewers one two punch of Woodruff and Burns is right there. If they Brewer have to get back, they have to get into the postseason first. Well, they do, but they're in the. I mean, they're in the wild card right now. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, look, yes, are Degrom and Scherzer <laughs> the two best pitchers in the National League? Probably, but their offense is still scoring half. The run differential is still half what the Dodgers is, even though the Dodgers haven't had Kershaw or Bueller at the top of his game. And Cody Bellinger has sucked for most of the year. And yet they're still finding ways to score. They've outscored their opponents 226 runs. And we all talk about how good the Padres have were supposed to be and are now. They just swept them. I don't think there's a, a a case against the Dodgers. I just think there's an equal case against the Mets because when we're talking about scariest, you think of like, what am I going into the postseason with at the top of my rotation and who's closing games and it doesn't get better than the Mets right now? Yeah. I mean, I mean reasonable, but their yeah. offense is still a question mark. Is there no love for Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery in St. Louis? Um, that is definitely a good question. Um, I mean, Jordan Montgomery just won a one nothing game against the Bronx Bombers, so yeah. You know. No, I mean, I can. I mean, because you led with Quintana, you are bringing up a good point. Um, but uh, they're probably a close second, honestly. Yeah, if not, if not third, I can tell you though. Back to the Mets, one person who might not be overly impressed. I'm curious if you guys read into this at all. Uh, Spencer Strider's comments after. Uh, after nice. saying that a lot of weird hits, they seem to be having a lot of luck. He he showed his true inner fantasy fandom, perhaps, in terms of calling out the team's BABIP and stuff, basically saying, you know, when your team BABIP is rather high, it's tough to get quick innings, get quick outs. And, you know, those one ones that turn to two one versus one two tend to be a little bit different. And then says that he looks forward to seeing them in October, and he's a rookie who hasn't quite been there. So, <laughs> any any interesting thoughts on that, or is it just a guy who was like, you know what, it's their division rival. I'm going to throw some stuff out there, and we'll see him later on. Nothing, nothing much more to it. I mean, his arm better be able to cash that check come <laughs> October, right? Like you just called out the team that's on pace for 102 wins. 
you better be able to win in October. Didn't he also didn't he also make a comment like when you win, don't say a lot. And when you lose, say less. But that's not what he did because he said a lot when he lost. Yes. So I'm just th- throwing that one out there too. Uh I mean I, I love Spencer Strider. I think he's electric as ever as anyone in the league, honestly, in terms of strikeout stuff. But like I mean, you couldn't even get out of the third inning against them yesterday. So well, that's you know, Babbitt, Babbitt be damned, he True. says. And True. you know, Matt makes a good point. Will he be there? He's at eighty nine innings right now for the year and his previous high back in well, was last year, twenty twenty one, he's a little under eighty. Yeah, I think that what's I think gonna they, happen to him? I think they put him in the rota- or in the bullpen. I think the Braves have enough rotation depth in their system yep. to call up one or two arms uh, and just kind of shuttle them back and forth between Gwinnett and uh, move him to the to the bullpen. I could see that happening as well. I wrote like up a the- Patrick not not to bring bad juju, but like a Patrick Corbin role in tw- in the 2019 postseason where he didn't necessarily start, but he was a bulk inning reliever. To very well, very well be the case. When I wrote up the one of the daily roundups this week, I talked about Joe Ryan's nice outing against Detroit, in which he struck out nine batters. I get it, it's Detroit. But the thing that jumped off the page to me was he basically just said, screw everything else. I'm just going to throw this fastball 80% of the time and good luck hitting it. <laughs> it worked against Detroit. Is there any viability to that sort of uh, ideology for Ryan moving forward. Because prior to that, his fastball rate was hovering at or below 60%, and then, boom, just jumped up to 79.5% in this most recent outing. Do you think it's going to be – he's not going to throw it at that rate. I expect it to come down a little bit. But can he really get by in terms of a decent strikeout rate with only throwing off-speed stuff maybe 15 to 20% of the time, Matt? Um, As a starter. It's unusual. We'll put it – We'll put it that way. Um, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to dig up whether or not um, the Tigers just uh, usually suck against fastballs. Um, so I mean, they stink I'm kinda, in general. I mean, they do stink in general, but if it's the case that the Tigers basically have a terrible um, they do. time hitting. They do. They actually rank dead last against fastballs in baseball. Um, like, so maybe that was part of it was like, these guys just can't hit fastballs and I've got a pretty good one. Um, so we'll just see if they can, (laughs) if they can hit it, but no, against anybody else. That's not, that's not a reasonable pitch mix to do by any means. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, I just don't know <laughs> in Major League Baseball when you got a guy with a four-seamer who throws it nearly 80% of the time, it still generates a 39% whiff rate. Is right. Well, hey, read the scouting report. They know Detroit stinks and stinks against fastball, so what the hell, let's keep throwing it. James, I'm going to kick this one over to you here. Clayton Kershaw's back, back to the IL right there, it looks like, with Kershaw. We talked about the Dodgers a little bit. When healthy, they're very scary, but they seem to be a little bit beat up on the mound as well. So Clayton Kershaw's back has not has been something that we've known now for a little bit. It's no injury to sending him to uh, the injury list, but it happened to happen now. So we got to talk about it. So talk to me about Clayton Kershaw and what fantasy baseball managers should expect the rest of the way. I mean, it's it's tread lightly. Honestly, with Kershaw, um, with the Dodgers positioning in, you know, the NL and 
their divisional race. Um, what are they? 15 and a half up yep. on San Diego. It's a, essentially barring a catastrophic collapse. Um, they're a lock to win the division. Well, there's only they only have nine games left against the Padres, so the Padres are going to need to win out against the Dodgers right. and then get help for yeah, like I mean, six other games. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a miracle. It's an yeah. absolute miracle. Um, so there's really nothing the Dodgers need to do in order. Like they're not rushing Kershaw back. Um, he's been great this year when he's been on the mound, but like I, I think. Fantasy owners should tread very lightly. I don't expect to see much of him the remainder of the regular season. And even when we do, he was one of the only guys Dave Roberts actually let pitch deep into games. Like Julio Urias still doesn't throw more than like 92, three, four pitches in a game. Um, Kershaw actually saw his leash kind of lengthened over 100 pitches. We won't see him approach that again um, until maybe the postseason. So um, I think days of hoping Clayton Kershaw is that front-end starter this year, at least, are very numbered. Um, not that he can't be productive in 75, 80 pitch stints when he does return. Um, but who knows if he even ever gets there the, until the postseason because, again, they don't need another back flare before the postseason. They need him. Let's just face like They need him going into a series against Atlanta, San Diego, or New York flat out. So... Um, it's, it's, you know, it's looking bleak for, for Kershaw owners right now. And I'm, and I'm not happy. Um, very sad if I am one. Yeah. And it's something to, at this point, you know, we talk, we see it in the NBA most often like with LeBron James led teams. It's like the regular season is just the buy-in and right. all they care about right. is the postseason, And that's what it should be with the Dodgers at this point. Yep. So quick, quick over under here, let's say, I mean, right now he's got no timetable for his return. They're probably going to want to get him back to make a couple starts before the end of the season just to be ready, even if he only goes three, four-ish innings in those starts. So let's say we'll even count those as games that he starts. Let's put the line at four and a half. Matt, do you think Kershaw makes that fifth start before the regular season ends heading into the postseason? Under. James? Under. Easy enough. Same Uh, with Bueller, by the way. Same with him, too. I think I think they would probably extend him more, barring he's ready, because he's been out for so long. But maybe I'm wrong. I, if, if you set the same number at Bueller, I'd go over, but it wouldn't be by a lot. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Just given the length of time that he's been on the I.O., I think they might be a little more inclined to kind of extend him a little bit heading into the postseason. Quick one before we talk about Fernando Tatis Jr.'s return. Seems imminent to that, to potentially make the best lineup in baseball. Framil Reyes was DFA'd, nine homers, but a 37% strikeout rate. Really quick, do you guys think he latches on anywhere and makes any sort of impact by season's end? Latches on, yes. Impact, no. Matt? Somebody will pick him up. Right. I don't think he'll do anything. I think he becomes a 26, 27, 28th man on a September roster. Yep, I think I think you're right. That strikeout rate, I mean, it was always a little bit high, but you could get by with the home runs, and this year just 213 average, 37% strikeout rate. No thank you. So the Padres obviously added some guy named Juan Soto. Matt apparently knows a lot about him for some reason. Not quite sure why. Um, but he's gonna—he's in that lineup. You got Brandon Drury, 
and Josh Bell. And now it looks like Fernando Tatis Jr.'s return could be imminent as he is heading out. Um, he's faced live pitching, going on a rehab assignment soon, it sounds like, from the Fantasy Alarm injury report here that we have on the site. Is this the best lineup in baseball in terms of just pure talent in that lineup? Like I said, when Tatis returns, Soto, Tatis, Cronenworth, Bell, Drury, Alfaro. Is this the best lineup in baseball, James? I mean, it's headlined by Brennan Drury, so of course. It's like, what? Um, uh, like, you know, they got the best player in baseball and Juan Soto at the trade deadline. Let's not forget that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think with in elite form, I mean, they're hard to beat. They are going to run. They're going to hit for power. Um, they obviously need to get a better version of Manny Machado because he has been quite bad for over a month now. Um, and I think he's, you know, the first month of the year, we were saying that he's the lead candidate for MVP before Goldschmidt's run. So um, I think they can be the best offense in the league. Um, I mean, it's so hard to like look at the Dodgers like top six as well and be like, Hmm. Like you put the their top six against the the Padres top six, it's so close. Uh, the Padres probably have a little more depth, you know, getting Drury. Um, and obviously, there's the Yankees when they're healthy and and like actually doing things. And you know, Toronto's there looming as well. Um, I would say they're probably the there was a probably the top four offenses in baseball. Uh, I guess San Diego with a healthy Tatis would be one a or one B considering whatever, however you consider them with um, probably the Dodgers. Yeah. My question is, can they gel? Right. That's always been the question with San Diego, like a couple years ago when they loaded up and everybody's like, where's all this money coming from? And then they sold everybody off by the trade deadline. Cause they didn't gel. They didn't do anything. They didn't do what they expected. Right. That's kind of been the thing for San Diego. They like to play, like, pretend they're playing MLB the show. And then when things don't work, they just dump contracts. Um, Talent-wise, yeah, they should be really, really good. But we haven't seen it produce yet. Obviously, Tatis hasn't been there. That might help. Um, I mean, it should. But you never know with him coming off of this injury if all of his capability is there or not it's it's so hard. I'm basically with James in terms of, like, when everybody's healthy, the top six. I don't know. You could probably toss Atlanta in there, too. Yeah. Um, but I might say the Dodgers still have the edge or the Braves because they gel together. They know what, like, I don't know. They just seem to pick each other up better than just being one guy out of nine, more like the Padres are right now. I think the top end talent is most certainly there. They did a good job with depth. I had I had my concerns with Brandon Drury coming to San Diego because I said he's going to, you know, his left right splits were pretty massive and his home road splits were pretty massive. So I was in on Soto and his debut there. And then of course, what does Drury do? Hits a home run away from Great American <laughs> Ballpark and not even against a left hander. So I was like, okay, if he's going to do that, they are going to be just fine. From a fantasy baseball ad drop perspective, two names I want to throw out here. First of which in Cincinnati. We have Jose 
Barrero. He's 24 years old, young shortstop. He hit two home runs recently, and he's only been up for a couple games. Big-time strikeout rate we've seen thus far. And while he's put together some decent years in the minors with a little bit of pop and some decent speed numbers, at the big league level, we've yet to see it as he's hit just 191 across 49 games with two home runs and two stolen bases in that time. So, Matt, I'll kick it over to you first. Is there any fantasy juice to be to be had with Barrero here down the stretch in Cincinnati? I mean, I think so, yeah, because I don't think he's going to not play. Um, but past this year, I'm not so sure. They've got a couple of really good shortstop prospects coming up in their system. They had Matt McLean in there that they drafted, and then they also just got Noel V. Marte, who will be up a couple years after that from the Mariners. Um, and I'm pretty sure they just drafted a, a kid in the first couple of rounds this year who plays shortstop pretty well. Um, so, yeah, for the rest of this year, I would I would try it. I'm not sold on him long-term, given the depth of shortstop that they have. Maybe they move him to second base. Um, but the strikeout rate is concerning uh, for his long-term viability. Anything to add to that, James? I mean, the only two hits he has in 14 at-bats are home runs. Uh, this has, like... And the striker, like this has like Javi Baez first call up vibes for me. Like yeah. home run, strikeouts, that's it. That's all you're getting. I will say that the, uh, I mean, the obvious, you know, the elephant in the room is he gets to play his home games in Great American. So um, I, there's going to be, you know, maybe streaming upside if he has like five, six games at home in a week. Um, I know like FSGA locks is weekly lock. So if you want to get Barrera in a week that he has six home games, by all means, I think that's a, a fine plug and play. And then James, I'll come back to you here with Edward Cabrera made his return to the mound in Miami. Eight K's over five innings against the lowly Cubs. Yes, it was against the Cubs, but still important nonetheless, as he's shown that he has plenty of swing and miss in his, in his game on the mound. The, the Marlins are a little beat up. On, in terms of their starting rotation, so how long does he stick in this rotation coming off injury? Do they go to a six-man rotation? Do they just bump him all together when the likes of Trevor Rogers and them return? But is Edward Cabrera a must-add the rest of the way, James? Yeah, um, great, great ground ball rate keeps the ball in the yard. Uh, the only problem is the walks. Like if he can limit the walks, then he'll be fine. He can pitch deep into games. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's close to a must-add. He's you know, been a little lucky. You see um, a 174 BABIP, you see a 429 XFIP compared to a 261 ERA. It's not the best, but you mentioned it, Colby, like he's missing bats. He's had two elite strikeout games, um, his first and his last starts. Um, so if he can just get more consistency there and limit the walks, I think he's a great ad for the rest of the campaign. Matt? Um, yeah, I, you know, verbal retweet. Uh, everything James <laughs> just said. He was a pretty high-ranking uh, pitching prospect when he was coming up through the system. The Marlins have figured out how to home-grow their pitching talent. I'd say so, um, huh? Holy cow. At this point, also, by the way, if Yuri Perez is available, you need to get him now. Like, now. Like, he's top five in my uh, recent top 300 uh, things. And a few of their scouts said he's the best pitching prospect they've ever seen. And they've been in the league for like 30 years. Um, so yeah, they, they can home grow their own pitching prospects. I think Cabrera stays in the rotation. They need to figure out who's in the rotation going forward because their window to compete is starting to open. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, 
The must add is always hard for me because it always depends on who you're dropping, right? right? If you're dropping a fringe guy, sure, he's a must add because you're getting a guy with upside for a fringe guy. But we're not talking like you're clearly not dropping a number two or number three starter for Edward Cabrera. That's that's not happening at this point. So um, it depends on who you who you're dropping. Absolutely, and especially if you need strikeouts, I think Cabrera, health willing, should be a nice source of that down the stretch. But let's talk a little bit here about some levels of concern. James, I'm going to come to you first, given that it is the Yankees. Actually, both of the ones I have here, two of them are with the Yankees. But let's talk here with the Yankees starting pitching. You look through the beginning of the year, dominant, still pretty good. But as I'm looking here each month, that st- the ERA for the starters has gone up in June up to 3.49, still very good. July was 4.3, and now here through August, uh, starting pitching ERA approaching seven. What is the level of concern amongst the Yankees starting pitching just as a team, especially given that they traded, you know, Cy Young candidate Jordan Montgomery away at the deadline? Uh, 10. 10 out of 10. 100 out of 100, 10 out of 10. Uh, it was concerning before the deadline. And then they came out and said, oh, we weren't going to use Jordan Montgomery in the postseason anyway. Um, so we're going to just trade him. Yeah, because you don't need pitching depth at all, right? In case one of your other starters get hurt or, you know, just using a reliable starter. That's not a viable approach ever, is it? Like, yeah, let's just trade guys away, even though they're super consistent, because we are, you know, trying to predict the future that our whole rotation is going to be healthy two months from now. I mean, what kind of logic is that? That is literally taking a potential world series team and just flipping it upside down that might not win a playoff series because you might not have the horses in the first round to even get to advance anywhere. Uh, it's, it's a giant concern. The concerns were there. Nestor has never pitched this deep into the season. Domingo Herman has not looked great and he's coming off injury. Um, I mean, Jamison Tyone has been Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde but also hasn't pitched deep into seasons get, barring his health issues in the past. Garrett Cole, although he's been, you know, great outside of a handful of starts, look what happened in Boston last postseason. I mean, there are glaring problems with this Yankees rotation. Frankie Montas, hey, great debut, buddy. Six earned in your first two, in first two innings. And, you know, they put out the numbers uh, bef- when he was pitching away from Oakland versus in Oakland. Very alarming. I mean, there is nothing right now other than Garrett Cole, like eight out of 10 starts, that is like really encouraging about the Yankees rotation. So 10, uh, it is really, really, really concerning. They should have got, they should have done whatever they could have to get Pablo Lopez at the deadline. And they should not have dealt Jordan Montgomery um, because, I mean, they made these comments and then did it anyway. And then traded Jordan Montgomery, and then got Montas, even though he can't pitch on the road, and then didn't get Pablo Lopez. Um, this is a management issue, but it is going to turn into a playoff, uh, an early playoff exit if you know they can't right the ship. Which, how are they going to? <laughs> they they can't reverse time. They can't go back in time. So, yeah, I'll I'll piggyback off of that and borrow from Spinal Tap. Our knobs go to eleven. Uh, this is, I mean, we all knew coming into the season, the major question mark was you had Garrett Cole and 17 question marks in your pitching staff. 
right? The bullpen was questionable to begin with, and now they're starting to get some holes because they've been injured and they didn't really make moves for that at the deadline. The starting rotation was a massive question coming into the season, and it's still a massive question. They missed out on Luis Castillo, and then he turns around and shuts them down. Right. Then they trade away Jordan Montgomery, then go face him, and he shuts them down to the tune of a one nothing win for St. Louis. And then Montas gets blown up in his first start. So I don't know where they turn. The offense is great, but that's assuming that Judge and Stanton and whoever else stay healthy. Um, I'm not sure that any of their pitching prospects are really all that ready to come up. Uh, at this point, if I remember correctly, isn't Clark Schmidt out for the year with Tommy John? And he um, was kind of a... a Lucas, G- G- Lucas Gee is. Uh, they yeah. sent they sent Schmidt back down right. um, to stretch him out. Okay. So he was pitching out of the pen. Yeah, he's pitched out of the pen exclusively this year, and then they sent him down like, oh, wait. We actually need starting pitching. Right. And Ken Waldachuk, who was probably the closest starting pitcher prospect to coming up, they traded uh, They they traded away to, I believe, Chicago for the 28-year-old rookie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's a massive it, – it's a, it's a massive problem. Uh, in terms of American League playoff teams – I don't think there's any argument that they have the most concerning rotation right now. They have the fourth worst. Um, here are the worst since the All-Star break, worst ERAs in baseball among starting pitching uh, uh, staffs. Nationals are one. Boston is two. The Rockies are three. The Yankees are four. How many of those teams are going to make the playoffs? Uh, one. 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 Right. What to, and what is going to happen? Early exit. Um so, yeah. Hey, maybe Harrison Bader bails him out in the ninth. That's about the only thing you can hope for at this. Yeah, point. but he's and not even back till September. Yeah, yeah the, just, he's back in September. We have a there is a nine and a half game lead. They may Toronto not win the division with a with six games left against the Blue Jays. With the rest of the division just beating the shit out of each other. Pardon my French uh, for the rest of the year because that's what's going to happen. It's a good division. Tampa's um, getting healthy, by the way. It's it is it's a ten, Colby. I don't know. It's a ten. I think I'm 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 up there with you as well. But let's stick in New York here because another trade deadline acquisition that the Yankees went out and got was Andrew Benintendi hitting 300 plus on the year, enjoying great success. Comes to New York and since donning the the Bronx uh, pinstripes, hitting just 133 with a 61 WRC plus and a 20% strikeout rate, which is vastly higher than what it was during his time in Kansas City. He does have a decent on-base percentage. Uh, it's not that decent at 308, but when you when you consider he's hitting 133, it's not bad, thanks to that massive walk rate. But what is the level of concern with Benintendi here the rest of the way? And I know it's going to be a microcosm of the entire concern of the Yankees, but let's isolate Benintendi here just for the sake of this. James, well, let's go back to let's go back to James because he's he's riled up and let's keep him yeah. let's keep him on the edge of his seat before he relax can he before he can relax. Uh, um, I mean, like from a fantasy perspective, it's extremely alarming because what you relied upon Benintendi for, he's not giving you anything of, and he's not making it up in any facet 
anywhere else. Like he has three home runs um, on the year. I, I mean, it's it's largely concerning, and it's to the point where, like, sure, he has this great ballpark to hit in um, when he plays his home games, but like, it doesn't even benefit him because he's not hitting for power. If he's if his strikeout rate is up, his on base percentage is down, the average is down. What's the point of even rostering him right now? Um, so it's highly concerning. The Yankees need him to be a table setter, and he's not even putting any forks. Not He's not putting any silverware up out there. He's dropping it on the goddamn floor. Um, so, yeah, I think Benintendi's droppable all formats. If you at, at this point, like, what is not providing OBP, not providing average, not, and he's not doing trust, and he might not even have a home run in the Yankee uniform. So, uh, yeah, get rid of him. Matt? Yeah, Ben Intendi being a table setter is like my kids who just sit there and watch TV when Dude, the table's supposed perfect to be, example, be upset. Perfect, perfect um, example. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that the smaller dimensions of Yankee Stadium are hurting him because he's not really known for a lot of pop, right? He's known for hitting it to the gaps and legging out extra base hits, and that's what he could do in Kansas City because it's the largest outfield by area in baseball. It's larger than Coors Field. Um, and that's not the case in Yankee Stadium, obviously. We've all talked about how it's a bandbox. Um, that's also not the case in almost any of the AL East ballparks, except for Camden Yards, which now has the largest left field in baseball, which is weird. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm dropping him in basically all formats. I'm not even sure he's worth keeping in Dynasty. Because his skill set has just seemed to... I mean, I've never been that big of a Benintendi guy uh, in Dynasty. Because I just don't... I think he does a little bit of everything okay. But that's not really a Dynasty keep. So, I'm probably getting rid of him in yeah. all formats. Benintendi seems to be a kind of jack-of-all-trades, master of none. But since coming to New York, he <laughs> kind of is a bad jack-of-all-trades. And that he's not really doing much of anything he's there. A jack, he's a jack-something. There you go. There you go. He's we, we talked about the Angels last week in a level of concern. It was pretty high. So I'm curious if it's gone up at all. Considering they hit seven home runs in a game and lost. They stink. They they couldn't hit themselves out of, you know, out of the they, – they just – they can't hit. Uh, they're so fun to pick against for pitching props if you're on, like, underdog or prize picks. So much fun to pick against. Um, what is the level of concern with the Angels? I know mine's sky high just because they stink and they just – they'll find creative ways to lose even when they do hit seven home runs. So, Matt, any – change in your level of concern with the angels from last week no i mean it's been like this basically since the middle of may right like they lost 14 games in a row for a reason <laughs> um they used joe madden as a scapegoat which was a terrible decision because you really should have fired your gm yeah because the guy sucks at putting together baseball teams and can't draft um yeah, to clarify on the on the seven homers not only are they the sixth team in mlb history to hit seven homers and lose the game. They are the first team in MLB history to hit seven solo homers and be and those be the only runs they scored in a game. That's apparently never happened, which is such an angel stat. It's like, oh, Shohei Otani struck out 12 dudes, but you have to go back to 1838 for the last time a pitcher struck out 12 guys and scored the only two runs and still lost, right? Like, it's such an angel stat that they hit seven homers and lost and didn't score any other runs any other way in a game. Um, Trout's got a congenital back thing now, apparently. 
Um, Otani's probably gone after this contract. I don't see there's any way that they keep him. Um, and they've got really no reinforcements coming in the farm. Like, their farm system is not not great. Joe Adele hasn't panned out. They just got rid of um, Brandon Marsh, which, okay. I mean, I'm not sure really what that did for you. Um, yeah, it's it, so long story short, no. I'm exactly as concerned as I was in May, but perhaps more so because it's there's no help in sight. Like, it's going to keep going for, like, eternity. James? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, they're just, they just stink, right? Like you said it. They just... The note says plus they stink now. Like you could have just like left out the now. <laughs> you could have just left out the now and just said plus they stink. And I think we would have been like, yeah. Uh I mean it's concerning. Like again, like the tiny thing is fascinating because they are one hundred percent not gonna agree on a on a qualifying offer next year because like what do you pay a unicorn? And then when they are when like the argument happens and like just like they watch the Yankees lose Aaron Judge because they didn't give him four million dollars and Judge goes out to like L.A. next year, I mean the same thing's gonna happen. But like basically because Otani doesn't want to play for the Angels anymore, um, why would you want to play for them? So yeah, I mean it's extremely concerning, but nothing new. I mean look at all the contracts they hand out and just don't pan out. When you have like the two best players in baseball and you are like twenty games under five hundred every year. You need to just disband. Just, like, start a franchise. Like, bring back the Expos, right? Just something, anything. Just get rid of the Angels. I don't know. Yeah, that was kind of my argument to Nats fans was, like, okay, so you're disappointed that you didn't keep two of five great talents between Rendon and Turner and Scherzer and Soto and Harper. Look at what the Angels. Like, they kept them, and they still suck. And they added (laughs) Rendon, and they still suck. Like, it's about drafting and development. And I bet you that Otani doesn't want to leave his house in L.A., so he's just going to wind up going up the I-5 just a little bit to Chavez Ravine and go help a team in L.A. who could also use pitching help, who now has a DH spot in the NL. Angels stink. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know where else to go with it. I think Agreed. that's just pretty much it. It's. Yep. I, I mean, mean, it's hard. It's I don't even know if I should be concerned just because like, it's like like you guys have said, it's happened for so long now. <laughs> should I be concerned and just like realize like, hey, this is a notable trend that's probably not going <laughs> to change. Let's put it this way. I'm shocked that the Mariners actually have a longer playoff drought than the Angels. Do. Shocked. That is crazy. Flat out crazy. shocked that the Mariners have the longest playoff drought and playoff drought of any team in any major North American sport. Literally every other team in every other sport has made the playoffs since the Mariners last appeared in baseball playoffs. Well, the Angels are—they're gonna have the drought soon. That's just—that's gonna happen. They stink. I can't guys, say it enough. Do you guys want to hear a concerning part? I just sorry. One more thing. How concerning uh, is it? I'm, it's very concerning. I'm going back to the Yankees just to tie the tie <laughs> tie a bow. Do you know what the Dodgers' record is since acquiring Joey Gallo? It's better than the Yankees. <laughs> six six and oh. You know what the Yankees record is since losing Joey Gallo? Oh and six? Oh and five, yep. So maybe he should have like just hung out in his apartment more and just not played on the team. Just I had to throw that out there. I'm sorry. Sorry, that, sorry for wasting your time. Is that the Joey Gallo effect? I'm thinking oh, it is. God. 
I think my my ten has now tripled. My con- my level of concern has literally quadrupled by the second. I mean, you get rid of a guy who's hitting what one seventeen, and you go zero and five, and lose every game since. It is just oh, burn the burn it all down. Yeah. I, well, so are you I saying think... Cleveland's about to fall off a cliff? Maybe, possibly. I'm I'm really curious now to hear what James's bold prediction for the week that lies ahead is because from the sound of it, it sounds like that the Dodgers are probably going to go undefeated this week and the Yankees will go defeated. That's just going to be a rinse and repeat thing for the rest of the year as long as yep. Gallo is on the Dodgers and Correct. not on the Yankees. So uh, James, I'm going to kind of take that one away from you because that'll just be your evergreen <laughs> prediction the rest of the way. So what do you think? Give me your prediction for this uh, this upcoming week of fantasy baseball action. So I like. I like a two-start Keegan Thompson week uh, this week. It's been a very interesting road for Keegan Thompson this year. He has seen the highest of highs, and he's had the lowest of lows. Um, And there's been really nothing in between. Uh, But he has a bunch of big strikeout games. Uh, On Monday, he gets to face the Nats in Wrigley. There's 15-mile-per-hour winds blowing in. Um, so not a lot of offense expected there. We know how the winds play a huge factor in Wrigley. Um, but the strikeout stuff is electric. His second start of the week comes against the Reds. So I'm going to go over 13 strikeouts for Keegan Thompson. I think he has two, seven strikeout games. Maybe we get an eight mixed in there. Uh, but I think a big week for Keegan Thompson lies ahead. If he's out there on your waiver wire, uh, could help some ratios this week. What's your prediction, Matt? Mine is more of a long-term one. Um, we'll have to check back on whatever it is, October 3rd or the last day of the season. I'm saying the Yankees don't win the division. Nine and a half game lead. Six against Toronto. Six against Toronto remaining three at home, three on three and uh, across the border. With, yes. a, with a vaccinated Andrew Benintendi. Let's put it this way. The Blue Jays still have a pretty impressive amount of arms that they can call upon. Um, down the stretch, the Yankees don't. So, the you Yankees blue, don't have arms. Yankees no. don't have any arms. Although Aaron Judge is the right. only one with arms. I mean, yeah. it's everybody else me. is just playing soccer out there. <laughs> yep. They every other team has pitchers. The Yankees have guys who step on the mound and throw the ball to right. the guy behind the plate. And they Clay Holmes. And ex pirate great Clay Holmes. Yes, ex pirate. And a 28 year old rookie, they just named <laughs> the Cubs for their best pitching prospect. Whatever, like, Matt. Ricky Tiedemann might be up for the Blue Jays later this year. He's got electrifying stuff. There's um, a few other guys who are AAA who are lower ranked but could help them out, like Bowden Francis. Um, you know, so they, they've got some. They've got some depth. Their rotation's also better than the Yankees right now, without any question. So. Yeah, I'm going to say Toronto winds up AL East champs. My prediction for the week that lies ahead is with a pitch that we've already talked about. We've said Edward Cabrera is a guy you probably should add, especially if you need some strikeout help. I think he puts up seven-plus strikeouts against Philly, and it's going to make the decision a little bit tougher for Miami to take him out of the rotation moving forward. 
right. So that is it that we had here on the sheet that we want to talk about for the this episode of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Before we wrap it up, again, check out all the great fantasy content that we have here at Fantasy Alarm for baseball, whether it's DFS or seasonal. Once again, the Fantasy Football NFL Draft Guide is free, $0.00. It is free, free NFL Draft Guide. Make sure you check that out. And, of course, wherever you're listening to not only this podcast, but the whole the whole shebang of podcasts here at Fantasy Alarm. Like, subscribe, follow every platform. Even if you've never been on it before, go like and subscribe there because that little notification is always good to have. Make sure you give Matt Sells a follow at the Salesman on Twitter. Give James Grande a follow at the underscore real underscore Grande. Hopefully soon, fingers crossed. So I won't have to say all those damn underscores. And we can continue. And who knows? Maybe it's just a matter until the Yankees get another good starting pitcher that you'll get <laughs> that. That Twitter, that, <laughs> that Twitter username. One last little jab in there before the episode. But until next time, we'll see you in one week for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.